everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello everybody and welcome in. It is the... Wednesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. You can get the speed you need with super fast business internet when you switch to WOW. Visit wowforbusiness.com to find out more. Bill Cameron on vacation this week. He is enjoying himself on the sandy beaches of the Emerald Coast in northwest Florida, my old stomping grounds. He's a little bit uh, west of, of where I uh, grew up, but, but still, I've, I've checked in with him for urgent fantasy baseball business uh, earlier in the week, and he seemed like he was having a, a, a pretty good time. So we'll, we'll hear all about Bill's Gulf Coast adventure next week when he returns to the airwaves. We are off... What's today? Today's Wednesday? I said it was the Wednesday edition of the drive. Okay. We are off... Friday and Monday this week. There's going to be no drive uh, on Friday or Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, we'll probably reschedule Brian Matthews uh, for next week because he's going to miss the Monday show. We probably got to remind him uh, that there's no show on July 4th. Brian, if you're listening, uh, no show on July 4th. But we'll, we'll try to reschedule uh, Brian Matthews. We usually have Jason Caldwell uh, from inside the Auburn Tigers uh, in the studio on Wednesdays. He is also on vacation. He was in Omaha, so I think he's earned a little bit of downtime uh, before things get uh, before things get going with football season in just a few weeks or football season. Getting rolling in a few weeks. The uh, the the opener still, eh, you know, a couple couple of months away. But Jason Caldwell will be a busy a busy guy as always as the fall semester looms. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him when we get a chance to talk to him. Uh, it's a uh, it's it's a little disappointing because there's a lot to talk about, but it can wait until the next time uh, we uh, we get a chance to talk with our our good buddy uh, Jason Caldwell, who who works uh, really hard with the rest of the team there at, at inside the Auburn Tigers, and they do twenty four seven sports, and they do uh, they, they've been following recruiting as as closely as as just about anybody. June a, a huge month, not just for Auburn. Uh, June as when we were talking with Brian Matthews earlier in the week. Brian sort of illustrated why June has become this incredibly important month in the world of football recruiting with the with the timeline now having changed from the early signing period now uh, you've you've got uh, teams have to get in much earlier and if you're if you're not seriously in the running for a rising senior uh, before football season has started, it's extremely difficult to break in, uh, and uh, and even even in the case of juniors, right? You you need to be in uh, long before, or you you want to be in as, as as early as possible with with players like that. So uh, yeah, this is an important month, not just to uh, do what you can uh, on the class of 2023. Although folks will tell you, 
The class of 2023 has been recruited for a long time. It didn't just start. Official visits started uh, for those players uh, in June, but they've been recruited uh, long before uh, June. Class of 2024 players, players that are about to begin their junior years, uh, that is where Auburn, uh, in theory, uh, by making the right moves in the last few months and getting out to a good start on the field, that's where Auburn could really see the recruiting efforts pay dividends. I'm still struck by... The point Brian made about, and he wrote about this in his musings too, the credit he wants the Auburn coaches to get for having changed course, for having recognized that a plan was not working and a new plan needed to be adopted. And I, and I wonder, you know, how, how, how serious of a course correction it truly was. I think Brian Harson would probably dispute that, uh, you know, everything wasn't working and everything needed to change. It was probably more... Uh, more nuanced than that, but uh, it's clear that some things have changed. And one thing, I mean, it, it, one thing that just just from the outside, you know, I, I wonder if maybe, and we're, not that we're going to see Auburn abandon the efforts to recruit nationally, because I, I do think Brian Harson and his staff want to be able to go outside the Southeast and compete for players that they really want just about anywhere, but especially in the places where Brian Harson has had recruiting success before, uh, before coming to Auburn, places like Phoenix, Arizona, and the and the greater Denver metropolitan area, Portland and Seattle, some of the the, the Los Angeles, you know, places where he signed kids uh, from uh, at, at when places where he signed kids when he was the coach at Boise, and he would think that those relationships and Eric Keesaw's relationships on the West Coast would maybe carry over and uh, and allow Auburn to uh, to benefit uh, from from having those pre-existing uh, sort of relationships with with coaches and and key figures on the West Coast. And and I think when Brian Harson got to Auburn, he he thought he would be able to exploit that considerably and maybe one of the course corrections again you know just just from the outside i wonder if he's realized that there needs to be more of a focus on regional uh, local and regional recruiting we're hearing more stories of players you know in the uh, in, whether it's in the in lee county or in the in the greater uh, central east central alabama region being pursued by auburn and auburn's auburn's in on a lot of these kids. So I wonder if maybe that's something that, and, and you've seen Auburn bring in some of the coaches that have joined Harson's regime have uh, something of a, a Southeastern, uh, you know, that they have some experience recruiting regionally as well. So I just, I wonder if that's one of the things when, when Brian Matthews told us about a course correction and, and spoke, you know, sort of as to, as to what Brian Harson is doing differently in the last few months that seems to be, at the very least, providing you know a more you know a more realistic chance of success on the re- recruiting trail than what he was trying before. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot a lot still to be decided there. And again, uh, it, it comes back to it's it's impossible to divorce. It's going to be very difficult to divorce what happens on the field this fall from whatever pitch you're making to kids on the recruiting trail, right? Because if things if things aren't going well on the field, it's going to be hard to sell. Uh, it, it's going to be hard to sell stability to to players that that are are seeking that on the recruiting trail. So yeah, that that's why that uh, we were talking about it yesterday with uh, with with we were talking about it Monday with Brian, and then yesterday it came up in the conversation uh, with Jake Crane uh, the importance of that 
Penn State, Missouri, LSU stretch for Auburn where, I mean, that, that, can, that can put the wind at your sails going into the Georgia game and the second half of the season. That can poke holes in your boat. You know, it, it's, it's, it's one or the other, and, you know, you, you might be taken on water uh, before you even get to Athens. So there's a uh, – yeah, and, and that's going to as, – as much as you'd like to separate – you know, you'd like to be able to tell recruits, you know, don't don't worry too much if things aren't going well on the field because you can be part of the solution and, and, and we can sell you playing time. It just it seems like that the the fallout from a slow start for Auburn would be really difficult to uh, to overcome, like for for all parties involved. You know, it just seems like I, I would I would wonder if it would almost be a you know, a critical sort of situation. For the, at least for the, for Harson's regime, if, if it were if it were to be you know if, if you were to you know if, if you were to have a sort of disappointing results in those first few home Power Five games, not that not I'm not saying you have to beat Georgia or you know run them out of town or anything like that, but that Penn State Missouri LSU stretch is a great chance for Brian Harson to make the argument that things are going in the right direction, and if Things don't appear to be going in the right direction after those three games. I, I wonder, you know, what, what sort of goodwill will still be there to, you know, not not just for the rest of the season, but you know, what what sort of enthusiasm will be there after the season's over if if you have a, a start like that. So that's why, uh, yeah, it keeps coming back. I mean, and recruiting is, uh, you know, recruiting is a huge part of that. Uh, not not only to sort of set the stage for how your team plays, but also because how your team plays influences clearly influences how you do on the recruiting trail. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, a pivotal a pivotal stretch for Brian Harson early in the 2022 season. We were talking yesterday with uh, with Barrett Salee, our, our good buddy from CBS Sports, and asked him a question that I've been, uh, you know, sort of piqued my interest all week too. It feels as at least since Saban got to the to to, to Alabama. And and maybe there's a year I'm forgetting. But it does. I would. I would think that the SEC West on paper looks as deep as ever before. As in, usually the sixth and seventh, whoever you think the the sixth and seventh best teams in the division are, don't seem on paper to be as good as SEC West teams are throughout the division this year. And there are a lot of teams that sort of view themselves as a contender to be. At the, you know, at the third best team in the division, maybe better than that second best team. If, if Alabama slips the first one, Barrett wrote about uh, Texas A&M, who a lot of the SIDs in the AL.com poll earlier this week, uh, all six of the other, uh, all six of the other SIDs in the SEC West uh, predicted Texas A&M would finish second this year in the West. So they're they're probably the clubhouse leader as of the team that is Alabama's likeliest threat. But it's not like Texas A&M doesn't have question marks, too. Yesterday we had a caller who took exception to Barrett choosing Ole Miss as Alabama's uh, most real threat in the SEC West. And I'm not sure I agree with Barrett because Ole Miss has a lot of, you know, they're betting on potential at a lot of really important spots with Ole Miss this year. And and you're trusting Lane Kiffin to sort of figure out how to get the best out of guys that you haven't seen play at a super high level all season long in their college football careers before. So I understand why there's skepticism with Ole Miss, but there there's reason to be skeptical of every team in the SEC West outside of Alabama who comes in with maybe the most talented team on paper that Nick Saban has ever had and consider that statement 
for a second when you think about his best teams of the last 15 years or so. So, I mean, that, that's uh, what happens in the SEC West this year and who who's able to falter, who's able to survive in these conditions is, I mean, even if it wasn't such a huge year for Brian Harson and Auburn, I would still be waiting for this this division battle with real excitement because it's and and Auburn's right in the thick of it, right? I mean, it, I think Auburn and LSU are the teams where how much of your expectations for the team are based on what you saw from them in the second half of last season, and how much of it should be based on what recruiting experts and NFL draft people would tell you about the talent on the team. Because LSU and and Auburn would be teams where I mean, you're betting on. You're betting on the talent on the recruiting trail. You're betting on the talent from draft projections uh, that that would tell you these teams have a little bit more than some of the other teams in the division, and and they've they've out recruited their division rivals somewhat consistently. A uh, and M, I would say, is is also. I mean, this this is ex- this is excluding Alabama and A and M from this conversation. I was comparing Alabama. I was comparing LSU and Auburn to the Mississippi schools and Arkansas in in this regard, but uh, LSU. I mean that's a that's a total wild card with everything that they've that, that's changed from the end of last season, including the head coach and the quarterback, um, and several other positions. I mean they're they're right there with some of the other teams that have seen you know a, a total reshuffling from the end of last season uh, to now. But at the same time, it's a it's a reshuffling that still has some very talented pieces uh, with loaded with potential. They've got Florida State. Uh, you know, people forget about that, Drew. On the, uh, uh, the the slate of opening weekend games in college football, you got that LSU uh, Florida State game. I think Sunday night of, uh, of of Labor Day weekend. So yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what what Brian Kelly can do in in his first action as the new head coach of Notre of, of LSU. And I mean, it's it's a it's an SEC West where you know someone's going to have to disappoint, and you could have. I think it was I think it was Jake Crane yesterday who said you you could have a really really good two and six team in the SEC West this year and that's absolutely true and that's not it's not going to be you know I don't I don't know what kind of consolation it's going to be for the fan base of that two and six team uh, that they were they were a two and six team that probably a few years ago would have been four and four or five and three in the SEC West but because the league has gotten so much better now that same sort of team might go two and six or one and seven. But but it it seems like that that could very well I mean that that could be in the uh, in the, the the realm of possibility as far as where uh, things could shake out. Barrett wrote a piece uh, sort of detailing why Texas A and M uh, is the trendy pick to be the second best team in the West this year, and uh, why folks uh, maybe are skeptical of Texas A and M and quarterback. Not surprisingly, a big reason why. I mean, they lose Calzada uh, to the transfer portal. Did he leave because he wasn't going to be the starter anymore? Did he leave because he was ready to uh, take a chance uh, somewhere else? They, they they keep Haynes King, who was the starter before he got hurt last year. They add Max Johnson, who I suspect will be the starter, the LSU quarterback uh, from last year, who, I mean, his dad and Jimbo go way back, right? That's Brad Brad Johnson and, and Jimbo Fisher. You know, they, they go... Uh, uh, that that's that's a uh, you know that, that they've know, they've known each other for a very long time. That's not the reason I think Max Johnson is going to win the starting quarterback job. I think he's probably from what we've seen, and we only saw Haynes King for like a game and a half. Uh, but I I could you know I've always I've always seen some potential with Max Johnson that if he can get 
reeled in. And if he can stick to the script, physically he does a lot of the things that you'd really want a quarterback to do. He can make a lot of the throws. He's an accurate guy, great athlete. It's just a matter of avoiding the... It's reminiscent of Bo's first year as Auburn's starting quarterback. It's it's just sort of reining in the the things that aren't going to work against high level defenses that maybe worked earlier in your career that that you you know the, the bad habits you have to uh, fight off. If Max Johnson can do that, maybe Jimbo Fisher and Texas A and M are are ready to uh, uh, to pose a real threat uh, to Alabama, not just in a game against Alabama, but in an SEC West division race. Three three four three two one. 1390. Did I, did I not get the phone? 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. You can also text the show 334-564-1840. Phone number brought to you by Kia of Auburn and KiaofAuburn.com where you're always number one. The text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We'll be back. You're listening to The Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Bill Cameron, still on the beach. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers usually joins us on Wednesdays. He is taking the day off as well. We will have uh, Jason uh, back uh, soon. He's uh, he's earned a vacation after a, a long and busy uh, couple of weeks as he was tracking the, uh, the the Auburn baseball team. Really impressive run through the postseason uh, for the Auburn uh, for the Auburn Tigers as they uh, make it to the uh, NCAA postseason as a regional host. Uh, they knock off SLU, Florida State, UCLA in regionals. They eliminate Oregon State in Corvallis in the super regional. And they are eliminated by uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks uh, after uh, you know to in, in a battle to be one of the last four teams remaining in the uh, College World Series. They end up as a top ten team in, in some of the polls being released post uh, NCAA tournament. And it, it seems like the uh, you know the the the, the vibes are good uh, right now around the program, even with the understanding that uh, you got the Major League Baseball draft in about a month. Uh, I think it's. It's actually it's less than that. It's before media days. I believe it's the weekend, the weekend before SEC media days. So maybe uh, I think it's about two weeks, two weeks from Friday. Maybe you got the uh, the Major League Baseball draft. Sonny Deshera waiting to hear his name. Uh, Blake Burkhalter certainly pitched like someone who belongs in Major League Baseball draft consideration. I wouldn't be shocked to see Mason Barnett uh, get uh, get his name called uh, as well. So you could have some uh, some key pieces of this year's team. Uh, you know, try, trying out the uh, the draft waters, or or at the very least, seeing if they're taken in the baseball draft, uh, whether or not they want to uh, to pursue that instead of of another year of college baseball. They've shortened the baseball draft, so you don't see as many guys, uh, unless unless they just can't come to terms with a team. But even then, like Kumar Rocker didn't come back to Vanderbilt. He he went and played independent league because they'd, I think they'd already sort of moved on by the time uh, Kumar Rocker and the Mets decided they couldn't make a deal. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's understood there are going to be pretty big changes on the field for, for Auburn from the team they had in the College World Series to the team they're going to have uh, when the uh, when the season starts 
in a few months. But that's, I mean, that's that's the way of the world in college athletics now. The players are, I mean, you're going to see players go pro. You're going to see players go into the portal and decide to go somewhere else. You're going to see players decide, you know, that they're they're ready to give up the sport after a couple of years, you know, and, and maybe not use all of their eligibility. And it's a matter of just sort of you want the decision. You want to have as much confidence as possible in the decision makers that even as the names change, even as the uh, even as the 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 players, you know, the cast is different. Uh, you're, you're still going to be able to stay as competitive as possible with. Uh, I think it was Jake. You know, Jake cited culture, and and you know, I guess that's that's a big part of it. I mean, absolutely, it's it's sort of having the right the right mentality instilled uh, within within all parties. And Butch Thompson does a great job of. I mean, it's at some point it stops being a fluke when teams keep overachieving the the way the way Butch Thompson teams. Uh, find a way uh, to uh, to to beat out the expectations that a lot of people have of going into uh, going into the season, and it's another year, second time in three College World Series that that Auburn is in, is uh, is able to qualify uh, for Omaha, and it's the second time that I mean, going into the season, there were a lot of teams that folks had ahead of Auburn on on the list of potential uh, College World Series uh, contenders. So yeah, excited to see. What the future holds for Sonny, our, our good friend from, from Tiger Takes all season long. You know, a personal note about that, if I may, Drew. Play, play some dramatic music in the, uh, in, in, in the background. Play the, the uh, Carry On Wayward Son. No, uh, so, so the uh, um, Sonny DeShera was, uh, was, it, it was a delight to get to talk to him all season long. We obviously didn't know uh, when we started talking to him that he was going to have the, the kind of season uh, that he had and it was it was really fun to sort of be along for the for the ride and um it was not I'll pull the curtain back a little bit here and I'm not going to say anything I wouldn't say to Sonny's face so I've actually, I actually I have said this to Sonny's face so it it was difficult at times when interviewing Sonny to get him to really open up about himself or his own play or his success but I noticed very early on when we were talking to him that the moment you started asking him about his teammates or his coaches, uh, he would give you long, detailed answers and and really really get uh, introspective and um, and and provide you know you know some some really some really useful stuff and yeah you know, it's just, it's it's probably you know there's there's a you know there's probably a glimpse into his personality there when when you think about you know it's it's tough to get him to talk about himself and his own accomplishments but. Uh, when, when you ask him about uh, his his teammates, whether it's his you know team, teammates that he that he came from 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 Sanford with, or guys that he knew uh, gr- growing up, or or guys that he met when he came to Auburn, um, you know he that that's when you could get Sonny to really uh, that's that's when you can get him to open up and 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 tell us uh, tell us a lot. So yeah, it was it was a delight talking to him all year, and not not to short shrift. It was it was a delight. Zeb Jasper was so much fun to talk to all season long, and John Samuel Schenker. You know, constantly I found myself thinking about things John Samuel Schenker had told us while I was watching the game that Saturday. John would, John would give us a, a, a glimpse into he wasn't tipping Auburn's hand or anything, but like he was he was giving us a glimpse into sort of what Auburn was doing or why Auburn Auburn would attempt uh, certain things, and and it was really not. I mean, it's it's a I mean, it's a byproduct of the NIL thing—the fact that we're able to have these sponsored segments with, with, with Auburn, with Auburn athletes, uh, and and it's it's something it's it's brand new. It would it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been legal, uh, a couple of a uh, couple of years ago, and and now because we're able to talk to these guys 
Um, you know, I think it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's personally, it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's helped me, uh, learn more about these teams. And I, and I hope it's been the case for, for folks able to listen too. But, but Sonny was, Sonny was so much fun to talk to. And so it's, it's easy to root for him for a bunch of reasons. But yeah, as, as he moves on to whatever the future holds, you know, I, I think there's going to be, uh, that there's, there's going to be sort of outsized attention on, what he does, and and that goes for that goes for his teammates too. I mean, that goes for you know everyone who uh, was a part of this College World Series run, and uh, some of the players that are going to continue uh, being part of the Auburn baseball program. Cole Foster had some of the biggest hits in the postseason for Auburn. He figures to be one of the you know key cogs in the machine uh, next year for this uh, for this team. And and there's there, there's any number of um, uh, Mike Bello, of course, be, you know ended up. Uh, becoming a huge part of the outfield rotation by the end of the season, very young, uh, very young career for him. So you know he's he's got several years of eligibility left. So I mean there, there's a, there's reason to think that the, the future is bright beyond just taking Butch Thompson's word for it. Even though if all you had was Butch Thompson's word, you know if all it was was well Butch Thompson thinks the team is going to be pretty good and you should trust him based on his track record. And, you know, I can understand why someone would. I can understand why someone would say that's that's good enough for me. So, and and there's also Tim Hudson and Gabe Gross who have track records of their own in the uh, in the sport of baseball. So, yeah, I, I can understand why not just because of the results of the last couple of years, but I think because of the way Auburn is is taking care of business the last few seasons on the baseball diamond. There's there's every reason to believe. I, I mean, it's nothing's guaranteed. But you, you feel like you're going into, with, with this group intact, you're going into every season with as good a chance as anyone has that by the end of the season, you'll have a team that can compete with anybody. And, I mean, this Auburn baseball team who saw, I think they may have opened with Oklahoma, right? I mean, they saw Oklahoma in that tournament real early on. Uh, I mean, they, they saw some of the best teams in college baseball all season long, and they competed, whether it was winning, you know, in Knoxville or... Oregon State, you know, or, or taking Stanford out of the thing. I mean, they competed with just about anybody. So, yeah, exciting times for Auburn baseball and head coach uh, Butch Thompson, who I still have to imagine we're, we're going to get news on a contract in the next few months. A con- contract slated to expire in, in uh, you know, fairly soon, like summer summer 2024. I would hope Auburn is uh, is able to work out something uh, with a guy that everybody wants to keep uh, keep happy in, in a conference full of high quality baseball programs. We're going to run some of Brian uh, Brian Matthews talking about basketball practice. He was able to see it on Monday. Stick around more of the drive when we come back. Now more of the drive. The drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Wednesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Drew at the controls, doing a great job as always. Hope you enjoy your uh, 4th of July weekend coming up. Uh, Have a a happy, a healthy, and a safe one 
Right? I don't know, Drew. I always grew up. Maybe it's yeah. Drew's Drew's making gestures to the 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 hands and the eyes, man. Like dealing with a chimpanzee. You gotta watch out. You gotta watch out for the hands and the eyes. Um, that's that's real, by the way. They will. That that's that's what they'll that's what they'll attack. Uh, so um, other things too. But the uh, with with maybe it's growing up in a place that like tightly regulated fireworks, right? So uh, we we I was always inundated with with horror stories about about firework injuries. So be safe this uh, this this weekend uh, with the uh, with the Fourth of July. I don't know how much of that is nonsense either. Like I I think. I think more people go to the hospital than usual on Fourth of July weekend, and I think fireworks are a reason why. I think alcohol is also maybe a reason why. I don't know, uh, but but it's like I wonder how much of that is also like like razor blades and the apples on Halloween. Like it's a thing they told kids to get them to not play with lighters and fireworks. But fireworks unquestionably dangerous. Be safe this weekend. And and not just with fireworks, with anything you do, Fourth uh, of July weekend, and and hope you have a, ha- a happy, healthy, and safe one. Uh, we're going to be off the air on Friday and Monday. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. Bill Cameron will be back from vacation on uh, Tuesday as well uh, to provide us uh, all the uh, details about his time in Pensacola Beach. In the meantime, love to hear from you three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The uh, number to dial. I've been uh, I've been reminiscing on some of the conversations I've had uh, this week. And it was Monday when Brian Matthews sort of surprised us with the news that he'd just gotten to watch basketball practice right before he came uh, to uh, tape the show with us. So right before he came to broadcast the show with us. We don't tape the show. We're live. We're, you know, we're, we're on. We're, it's, 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 it's 4.35 p.m. right now. It is not raining. As, as as evidence of of, of that, I had to check first. Uh, but the uh, no, Brian came in to tell us all about the uh, the, uh, the the basketball practice that he'd gotten to watch, including uh, his first glimpse at a couple of the new arrivals uh, to campus. Not not just the transfers, but also uh, the uh, freshmen uh, that Auburn signed. So here's Brian from Monday uh, giving us a report on what he got to see from Auburn uh, men's basketball practice. Uh, well, uh, you know, I left for the scrimmage today, and this was the first practice I've seen so far. So my my window of watching is limited. Anything stand out in, in your yes. in your observations? And obviously, I watched the newcomers a lot, and all of them were out there. Uh, Broom was out there, Traore was out there, uh, Trey Donaldson was out there, and Wester was out there. So all four newcomers. Uh, the things that caught my eye before they scrimmage, this is just warm ups, doing drills and stuff. Uh, Traore is extremely athletic for a big man. And when they're doing a dribble, uh, you know, a dribble drill, just going uh, full court against a defender and, and, and changing, you know, switching back and forth from left to right, I don't recall seeing too many big men that can handle the ball like him, especially as a true freshman. So he's extremely gifted as a ball hander and athletic for a big man. You can, you can see sort of why he was what he was as a recruit, yes. like just in, in limited glimpses. Like yes. You can see why, why folks would be going crazy about, about his potential. And also saw him drop some threes. They, they did a, 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 a three drill where I think it was five minutes, how many they can make as a team, just rotating in. I think they're shooting from four different spots, I think. Uh, and I think the first time they did it, they made it like 130-something threes. Uh, but he was doing fairly well than that. Flanagan did well, too, by the way. Um, That's something that, I mean, for all the... You don't you don't want to nitpick last year's team too much because it was I mean there was a great regular season didn't didn't really work out in the playoffs but I mean they won the won the SEC regular season which only happens you know only has happened a handful of times at Auburn outside shooting would be something you would think of as at times that that's something that really needed to improve for this team they had they had stretches where they were really cold in a league where some of the best teams 
you know, can you know, they've, they've got real firepower. So good, good to hear. I mean, not, not surprising to hear outside shooting a focus. It's always a focus of a Bruce Pearl team. Yeah. But reason to believe this team can improve, despite losing Jabari Smith uh, from the outside. Well, not many players under Bruce Pearl and the staff don't improve, right? Yeah. Uh, and then my other observation for the newcomers, uh, Trey Donaldson, uh, you can just see the way he works, the way he goes through the simple drills, that he has a lot of want to, a lot of hustle, a lot of just inner, I'm going to bust my tail and get better every day type kid, which you love to see from a guy who was a really good prospect coming in, but more of a, he's a great athlete that's played football and basketball, and he's going to get a lot better as he concentrates on basketball, which is exactly what you can see happening this summer. So um, those are my two earliest observations. I didn't get a chance to watch everybody and you know garner something from everybody. It's still going on right now, as a matter of fact, I, and we've got updates on our board. We've got three other guys there right now providing updates, so... Yeah. So, and you you didn't mention Jonai Broom, who's I mean that that's a guy who's probably more proven than yeah. any incoming transfer that we've had you know since since Bruce got to Auburn. You think about the the track record. I mean that you had Wendell and Wendell and Zepp had had good careers at at the mid major level, but but Jonai Broom was much more of a I mean he was he was an all conference. He was in the discussion for conference player of the year. Uh, you know this this is a you know a really a really veteran. On top of the fact that he's still improving as a player, I mean, to, to add that to what you're talking about, the emerging talents of, of this team, it's, it's really exciting. And that's something I, I can understand why in a league where you're going to have several uh, several teams that sort of view themselves as not just conference contenders, but potentially uh, national championship contenders, Auburn still, you know, Auburn still thinks they'll be able to compete and defend uh, their, their regular season title from last year. I have no question this team is going to be able to compete for it. You know, I don't know how good other teams in the league are going to be. I think they're going to be really good, too. But Auburn is going to be in the mix for it. Regular season, uh, postseason tournaments, and we'll see what, if they can make a run in, in the NCAAs. But, yes, uh, he's, he's put together another talented roster, and I think it's really well balanced. I think they've got a, a lot of good guards, uh, distributors, and they've got some, some really good yeah. big men, too. I mean, maybe I should be worried about the front court because you lose Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler to the first round of the NBA draft, and it's, and it's really, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's optimistic to think you're going you're gonna to lose those two players and, and not take a step back in what you have at forward. But, I'm, I mean, the thing I'm really interested to see with this team, and, yeah, I want to see how the forwards piece together, but is there one guard in particular of the three who were on their, their first year with the team last year? of Katie Johnson, Zepp Jasper, Wendell Green. Is there one of those three guards that takes a significant step forward in his second year as uh, an, an Auburn player? Uh, or even, or and I don't know how necessary a significant step is. I mean, if they all got a little bit better, I mean, I think that would be, uh, you know, I think it would it would bode well for this team. And that's not crazy to think because they, they have experience now playing with each other and, and they have experience as teammates in a way that they didn't last year when they were all first-year players and new arrivals to the team. If, if any one of those players takes a step forward, and then the other one, and, and I think kind of the obvious one is a year removed from the injury, Alan Flanagan, you know, can he more closely resemble the player he was his first two years, and especially the player he was right before the injury, or even take a step forward from there? You know, what kind of Alan Flanagan does Auburn get this year? Th- those are the two things that really stand out to me as developments to watch early on? What, what, what do you think of, of either of those, Brian? Well, you know, I think because um, Wendell's maybe the youngest. I guess I guess Katie and him are both juniors, but it seems to me like Wendell's the youngest. Maybe he has the most room uh, to get better 
maybe become a little bit more consistent with his ball handling and distribution. Um, but, you know, you watch KD, I mean, you watch um, Zepp, and you feel like if he can just be a little bit more aggressive, he's already got a really good three-point shot, and he can really step his game up. And, and then I think about KD. And maybe the focus, I'll let you finish the KD point, but but I want to say yeah. on Zepp, because I think it's a really, really good point about Zepp, maybe the focus will need to come from teammates, too, that they, they need to look for Zepp when he's open yeah. at the three-point line and doesn't have the ball. like those Because I don't know, especially when, when you have a Jabari Smith, Maybe it's easy to not look a certain player's way even when he's open because you've got players who are going to go in the first round uh, under the basket and or or you know Jabari's looking to, to make a play. You know maybe maybe it's not all Zep needs to get more aggressive. Maybe it's the offense needs to yeah. look for Zep in those in those situations. And then KD to me, all he needs to do is improve his uh, three point shooting a little bit, and he needs to improve his, his finishing when he drives the lane just a little bit. Right, his finishing. I'm talking about scoring and also distributing passes and not, you know, bowling over a guy and get called for a charge. So uh, yeah, I think all three of those guys have just some small steps they can take, and all three can be much better players. So I'm excited for them and um, excited for some of these young guys. Some of them are going to play and star right away. Some of them are going to take a little bit, bit of time. I think Trey Donaldson is probably a guy that's going to take some time. But you can see just watching him move out there today that he's going to be a really good player for Auburn in the future. I, I watched Wendell at times and thought that this is someone who – and it's not it's not all as a criticism because sometimes Wendell Green would try something that he probably shouldn't have tried and it would work out it would work out well he would attempt something low percentage and it would it would work in his favor but often it seemed like he would attempt things that may have worked at his previous school may have worked yeah. in the previous conference he was playing in but against the superior athleticism of SEC defensive players Maybe that was something that that yeah. wasn't going to work, and I and that gives me hope that with a year of having played major conference basketball to learn from, you know, Wendell Green has a sort of a better understanding of what's going to work at the SEC level and and what probably needs to stay uh, in his in his back pocket. I think for, so. For now. And I think after Flanagan got hurt last year, he probably put a lot more on himself to be the playmaker, to be the guy who who drives and, and creates things offensively. And that's a lot for a guy coming into the league for the first year. Sure, and, and, I, and you love the confidence. Yeah. Right? I mean, someone willing to take some of the shots Wendell Green attempted in, in, 2020, uh, in, in the 2021-2022 season. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's, that's something. It's difficult to teach someone to, be, to become that confident with themselves and their skills if, if, they're, if they're not close to that already. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's more about, you know, finding out sort of a balance of when you, uh, you know, what, what should you be confident in and maybe what, what should, maybe you should, maybe, maybe when, when you should listen to the, to the, to the little voice in your head telling you uh, maybe not to, uh, to and, and with, with Alan Green or with Alan Flanagan. I mean, yeah. so, uh, uh, you know, your, your, your thoughts on the idea that, I don't know, last year we saw throughout the year, a, an Alan Flanagan that was not 100%, and there's the right. hope that if he is 100% again, or even maybe a better player than we saw before, um, that that could be that could pay dividends for Auburn this season. Yeah, he looked good today, I thought, moving around well. and You could tell he's in really good spirits and confident out there. And I don't have any question that this is going to be the Alan Flanagan revenge tour in, in 2022-23, so uh, stay tuned. And, that, and that's a reason. I mean, this guy was a, a you know, he belonged in the first, in the, in, in the all-conference discussion yeah. Uh, th that year w wasn't a banner year for Auburn as a win-loss record, but Alan Flanagan, and, and often playing out of position, right? That was the year where, I mean, Auburn, because of what they needed in the backcourt, I mean, he was running the point, 
and he was he was playing the two, but he was still providing. I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to think uh, that that you you could see if you saw a if you saw the Allen Flanagan that the first two years suggested you would get when he was a senior, like that that to me is maybe more than anything else. The, the you know that that's a that that's a, a chance of a breakthrough for yeah. for Auburn is is to have is to have that Allen Flanagan back. And then I guess the other sort of the other thing the season hinges on to an extent. Uh, one of the big mysteries that we'll get a better understanding of is what sort of role you know what with uh, with Jalen Williams. It's it's an unusual road to suddenly being featured. On a, on a basketball team with title hopes, because for the last two years, not not, not because he wasn't, uh, not not because I mean, just he, he was either edged out because there were other. I mean, he was playing next to the first round pick at the same position, or the, you know the team was was really struggling uh, with, with injuries at other spots, and and it was you know it was just a limited roster. Uh, this is this feels like a really big year for, for Jalen Williams. Bruce has talked about it, and uh, I, I wonder, you know, sort of your thoughts on. Uh, you, you know how how a how far a team that features Jalen Williams can go. Well, I mean, I think it's possible he could lead the team in scoring. But when I look at the guys who are probably going to start, uh, Broom at, at five, him at four, Flanagan at three, probably KD at two, and probably Wendell at one or or, or, or Zepp. I think Zepp was a star last year, right? One, one of those two. Um, and I, I just see a lot of more balance this year. And then plus you got guys coming off the bench like uh, Traore and. Um, it's a good starting. That's a good starting right. five. And, and, I mean, and Wendell, I guess, was the sixth man last year. Probably, be, probably be the same again. So I just feel like um, he doesn't have to feel like he has to carry the team uh, in the way that uh, Jabari did last year. I think um, they'll be able to move it around better. I think some guys are going to be better three point shooters. I think Jalen's going to be a very good three point shooting team, and uh, they're going to feel a lot more confident with him playing the perimeter when he got uh, Broom Broom in there at the five, who can really just dominate in there. Really excited for this opportunity for for, for Jalen. Hope it works out because it does seem like a you know it's it's what you it's what you hope for when a player is patient and sort of puts in the work and does. I mean, Jalen could have left. Uh, he he could yeah. you know for somewhere that that offered more playing time earlier in his career. Uh, he could have he could have tested professional basketball out, and he and he kept. He kept at it, and I hope it pays. I hope it pays off for him this year. I hope it pays off for Auburn uh, the the investment because yeah, he's a re- really really talented guy and an exciting yep. prospect that could could have a huge role on 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 the team this upcoming season. And we saw in the NCAA tournament well, when they stuck him in there a lot at five uh, when yep. when teams were really um, collapsing on uh, Jabari that he really uh, provided to be a tough matchup there with his ability to play inside and out. So uh, I, I think he's ready. You know, he's a guy that's paid his dues. He's a fourth-year senior, has been in the system from the start, uh, has developed and got better every year, and you would expect him to have a really good senior year and maybe put himself in the draft. We'll would, see. would love to see. Yeah, and, he, and he seems like sort of a natural complement to Jonai Broom. Like that's, yeah. that's sort of what you would want the four yeah. to be it, with, with, yeah. with Jonai Broom. It's, it's a natural, I don't know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good fit. The two of them appear to yep. be as, as, as a front-court pairing for a team that, like you said, has a lot of really exciting options in the backcourt. Brian Matthews from that was Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com, as I was about to say before we, end, <laughs> before we ended the audio there, uh, telling us about not just his thoughts on the basketball team from what he got to see uh, from a limited glimpse in practice on Monday, but also, you know, just, just sort of the general, uh, the attitude around the program right now. A lot of new pieces, uh, but it's a team that also returns 
several contributors from the SEC regular season conference champion and a team that was, for at least a stretch of the season, one of, if not the best team in college basketball. They were not that at the end of the season, and that's you know who decides you know who, who wins the the NCAA tournament. Uh, but for but for a stretch in the regular season, Auburn was was unquestionably one of if you know and they they got to number one. But I mean they were playing as well as anybody first half of conference play or so. And uh, the yeah, the question is you know how how much uh, how ready will this team be to uh, what what position will this team be in uh, to defend their SEC championship and maybe uh, make another postseason run for head coach Bruce Pearl. We're going to come back to wrap up hour number one. Love to hear from you, 334-321-1390, the number to dial. You are listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Hi, Jonathan here from University Ace Hardware. We are excited to introduce to you our helpful consultants. Now the same friendly, knowledgeable associates who you rely on in-store will come to you at your home or office. You can schedule Rex Ponder, our garden center manager who is a hometown expert on plants and landscaping, to help you with your outdoor space. To schedule a consultation with Rex, give us a call or visit universityace.com. University Ace brings expert help to your place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one here on the Wednesday Drive. Remember, no drive on Friday or Monday. Uh, we'll be taking the uh, the holiday for July fourth. We're taking a four day weekend. Uh, Drew, uh, you uh, you're leaving town, right? You're going down to uh, you going down to Florida. Uh, you're going to go see the family. That's that's great to hear. And then Bill will be back when the vacation time is over. Uh, Tuesday we'll be back on the air. Uh, next week, and Bill will be back in his hosting chair telling us all about his adventures in Pensacola Beach. If you missed any of uh, this show and or any or any episodes in recent days and you'd like to hear the podcast, Podcasts of the Drive, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, you can find the show just searching your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. You should be able to find it that way. Or go to ESPNAU.com or AUNetwork.com and find it in the podcast center. Lots of different ways to listen to The Drive if you can't hear it live here on ESPN 106.7 or on Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. Love being up in the uh, the 280 corridor. A uh, shout out to uh, to all our friends up in uh, in the Lake Martin area who listen to the show uh, on in, on uh on Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. You can also listen live on ESPNAU.com. Uh, if, if you're trying to listen to the show live and you're having trouble picking it up uh, via the airwaves, you can always hear us live on ESPNAU.com, uh, streaming the show every single weekday. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. We were talking with uh, Barrett Salee yesterday about his SEC West Predictions, and we can get into that a little bit more in hour number two. Got some remarks from uh, from Barrett uh, queued up. He also wrote about uh, Texas A and M, so we might talk about that a little bit more in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of the Drive.
Hello and welcome in our number two of the Wednesday Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Thanks for joining us. Drew at the controls, doing a great job as always. Bill Cameron, the linchpin, the guiding light, the mothership. He is uh, he is on vacation this week, so should have thought about that before I gave him all those nicknames and built him up. He is uh, not here this week. He'll be back on Tuesday, and uh, and we'll get to hear all about uh, the time he got to spend in Pensacola. Uh, then three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to dial. It took me like seventeen minutes to say the phone number in the in the first segment, so I want to get that one right out of the way. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial. Three three four five six four eighteen forty is the text box number. Uh, the uh, drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We're in the Kia of Auburn, or no, we're in the uh, we're, we're Kia of Auburn sponsored the uh, the hotline. We are in the uh, we're in the Wow Business Studio. You can uh, get the speed you need with super fast business internet when you switch to Wow. Visit WowForBusiness.com. This hour of the drive is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at OrthoClinic.com. Love to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to dial. We've got a uh, we've got uh, Justin Ferguson tomorrow. I think we you know we're we're hoping so. I know we we usually have Jason Caldwell in uh, in in the first hour. He's on vacation. A lot of vacations uh, this week. You wonder if it's uh, the fact that there's uh, not not a ton going on in the world of sports and July Fourth coming up this uh, this weekend. But we're going to be back at it soon. I mean, I mean we're we're back at it all the time. But as far as you know, with, with uh, urgent, you know, the, the sports calendar has some really big events. Coming up just around the corner, you've got SEC Media Days in under you know under two weeks. I think we'll be two weeks from three weeks from right now. We'll be in Atlanta, so we're we're under two. You know we're we're right right around a little over two weeks from the start of of SEC Media Days. Uh, the uh, the the season gets coming. You'll have students back on campus in Auburn a couple of days after that. Fall semester gets going middle of August. Fall practice. Will be going on, and then uh, Labor Day weekend. You've got the uh, the season opener beginning of uh, beginning of September. So I mean, it is uh, it, it is rapidly approaching, and you're seeing not just magazines and uh, the websites offering their sort of predictions for what what's going to happen, but uh, I, I was I was struck by the the Ale.com poll of SEC uh, sports information directors uh, earlier this week uh, that that sort of I mean. 
the the headline Alabama and Georgia expected to play in the SEC championship game. Everybody picked both those teams to win their divisions. Alabama expected to win the SEC championship. Looking beyond the Alabama Georgia of it all, and and sort of figuring out. I mean, if if one of those two teams were to slip up, you know, who can take advantage? But but really, who's going to be there? You know, it, who, who's who's next in line? There's a real. I mean, it's it's there, there's a real question as to who the third best team in the SEC is going into this season. If someone thought it was A and M, uh, that's um, un- understandable. But I don't. I mean, we we had the conversation with Barrett yesterday about it. Or no, it was Jake yesterday. The question of how much better is A and M than the rest of the field in the SEC West after Alabama? Like, is there a gap between Texas A and M and teams like? Ole Miss and Auburn and Arkansas and LSU and and State and if if there is a gap you know how significant is it and that's going to be something uh, to watch for this year can A and M uh, can A and M separate themselves as not just Alabama's most real challenger in the SEC West but a team that's a cut above whoever else is there to contend in the SEC West or is it going to be somebody else I mean this is the these these are the most these are the highest expectations for an Arkansas team since Bobby Petrino was the coach, maybe, right? I mean, you got to maybe go back to, you know, the Ryan Mallett, Tyler Wilson era of Arkansas football to find a team. I mean, I don't know if Bielema ever entered a season with expectations to be as good as this Arkansas team is, let alone Chad Morris, who, you know, never entered a season with expectations. So. I mean, Arkansas is right there, ready to ruin seasons and 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 put things together if, if they can produce on both sides of the ball. I mean, all Sam Pittman is doing is, you know, quietly putting together a really impressive team. You know, that that, that gets better seemingly game after game uh, from from what they were before. So that's uh, yeah. The, the SEC West is. And it's it's not all good news for Auburn because amid all these really you got all these really good teams in the West that could be the second best team. The good news is Auburn is in the conversation. Uh, you know the the spectrum of uh, you know you you had in the SE, in the in the AL.com poll you had SEC West athletic direct SIDs who voted Auburn third. You had SEC West SIDs who voted Auburn last. Right, like there, there was a that that's the sort of spectrum you're looking at in the uh, in in the SEC West this season. Auburn's not the only team that had you know a really wide array of of votes from uh, from from you know third to to seventh place in the division, and someone's going to have to finish seventh. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the good news for Auburn is you're you're just as equipped as anyone else, maybe more equipped than some of the other teams in the division to challenge for third place, second place, maybe even first place if Alabama can slip up. The bad news is you're playing all of these other teams that feel the exact same way. And if you know if if you don't if you don't get things rolling early, um you know and that's that's where I think a, a a fast start is important not just for Auburn but for a lot of these teams. Now in college football. You remember when Joey Gatewood left Auburn a couple of years ago in the middle of the season? And the thinking was, he knows he's transferring, he's not starting, and he wants to get a head start on his recruitment so he can be in a position to maybe challenge for a starting job at his new school. And I didn't necessarily agree with with that approach to a college football season, but, you know, 
eh, you know, you make make your own decision, and if that's the best thing for you, you know, and 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 another team's not going to, you know, w- wonder why you left your previous school high and dry, then you know, w- whatever, go nuts. I wonder if that's going to become more commonplace, especially at a place that underachieves early. Like, I wonder if what you start, what you're seeing with, what you're seeing with players who decide to leave after a season when a coach gets fired or when a coach doesn't get fired, I wonder how much of that you're going to start seeing mid-season when when things start to go south at a program. We haven't seen, I mean, we've seen meltdowns, but I, but I don't know if we've seen something in the NIL and transfer portal era where, I mean, if, if, if the ship starts to sink, how many of these players are going to be willing to fight through the rest of the, you know, the, the entire season? Or, or how many of them are going to look for an escape uh, you know, an, an escape hatch or something. I, I just, I mean, that, that's what I, and again, not, not predicting that for Auburn necessarily, although I do think it's in the range of possibilities for this upcoming season, but that's a, I mean, that's a back of your mind concern everywhere in the league, but especially at the places that aren't sure where they fit in, in the SEC West this season. I mean, that, that's something where, I mean, if you, we were just talking about all the expectations Arkansas has. I mean, you get punched in the face a couple of times, first couple games of the year. It, it those, those expectations become a curse because those expectations are you know now you're now you're not just a bad team, you're an underachieving bad team. You're a bad team that failed to live up to expectations, which can be worse than simply being a bad team that everyone knew was going to be a bad team. It's not news when Vanderbilt is near the bottom of the conference. But when somebody else who's not supposed to be at the bottom of the conference is at the bottom of the conference, that's when people get fired. That's when, that's when, co- that's when fan bases start to, uh, uh, start to panic, and, and that's when uh, the alarm bells start to sound. And so yeah, Barrett wrote a piece about uh, Texas A&M and the case for Texas A&M as the second-best team in the SEC West going into the season, which he, uh, he mentioned in his, uh, in his phone call. He sort of disagreed with it. He's got, he's got Ole Miss... As, uh, as as the one we, we might run a little bit of that, but yeah, I, I just find the 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 different. Even when you excuse Alabama from the conversation, the other six teams in the West and where they could stack up, and the ramifications of if if it's a disappointing year here or a disappointing year there, you know what what is that going to mean for a uh, for for a, for a conference that's it doesn't seem like there's. There's no, there's no patience anymore. There's no, uh, there's no get them next year in the SEC. They leave that to the Cubs, right? Right. They, they get them, they get them next year. Uh, they, you don't find a lot of that in the, in, in the SEC West. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. Let's get to Jeremy, who's on the phone. Jeremy, thanks for calling, man. What's up? Hey, yeah, you're, you know, you're talking about the wide range of possibilities from everybody in the SEC West. Honest opinion from you. By talent level, rank rank them one to seven. I mean, Bama's one, right? There's no there's no controversy there. I, I think the the argument for two at a you know who's got the most talented. I mean, A and M, LSU, and Auburn would all would all make arguments that that you know if we're just if we're taking if we're taking the roster and certainly what the roster was on signing day, right? What all these guys were uh, on on the recruiting trail. I mean, I think maybe A and M's recruiting has caught up to where they would be too. But a lot of those guys are young, but they're you know very, very big time recruits. Uh, sure. but, but that's, I mean, that's that's ignoring what LSU has done 
over over the last few years. But a lot of those LSU guys have left too. When you when you look at the recruiting rankings alone, and you know, and, and see where LSU has finished in the last few years, I would I would probably say, yeah, I would I would probably go somewhere like Bama, Bama, A and M. LSU Auburn, maybe Auburn LSU. I, like I'm in there, but but then, and then you get into what do you do with Ole Miss and, and who just brought in a lot of really talented transfer portal players. I'm not sure, um, you know, there 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 might be you know there there might still be some some underlying uh, positions where Ole Miss isn't ready uh, to hang with the best teams in the SEC. But I mean, I I feel like I I need to see a really bad Lane Kiffin offense first before I think that. There's going right. to be before I think there's going to be one, and he's got some really talented skill position players that he's been able to bring in, uh, which you know, which, which I don't think there's a uh, there's a gap there. Everyone loves Arkansas. Um, do I? Ha- I mean, I, I would I would probably put State last, right? Like I think State's State's seventh in where I've got them on the roster, which is crazy when you think about their quarterback. Well, see, this is this is kind of kind of my point is, you know, when you start ranking the talent on all the rosters or supposed talent, and see that that that's where look, I I can't tell you the five guys that I think will be Auburn starting offensive line because sure. I don't keep up with this stuff. I, I'm one of those. Let's roll the ball out on Saturday. I'll watch the guys play, and I'll let you know if I think they're any good. Um. They, but that's that's kind of how I am with this. Like for all the talk about how balanced it is, you're still looking at at the same teams, um, more likely than not, being the teams that are going to be in in competition for this. Nobody thinks Mississippi State or Arkansas or Ole Miss are going to legitimately contend for for the West Chat West. Although I I think you've got folks that think Arkansas could be better than Auburn and LSU. Right now, and for all the talk we were just having about, well, LSU and Auburn are, are more talented. I mean that that same that same poll I just reflected uh, from the from the SEC West SIDs, most of them ranked Arkansas ahead of LSU and Auburn. So I mean you've you've got you've got Arkansas enthusiasts, or you've got some enthusiasm with what Sam Pittman might be doing at Arkansas that that might even and 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 for all the talent on Auburn and LSU, uh, you know they they were they were both six and six in the regular season. Uh, just right. just just last year. I mean, you're you're sort of be- you're betting on those teams to bounce back and play more like the expectations say they will. But you know, that's I mean, there's there's still the. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams go six and six, and you say, oh, they'll bounce back, and they bounce wow. right they bounce right back to six and six again. I, that's that's exactly what I was fixing to say. Like you you could talk about expectations and all this stuff all we want, but at the end of the day, we we know that talent year in year out wins wins out um especially especially the way the game is played now um it you know it's just you you got super it's super dangerous too to look at recruiting rankings because i mean you pull up auburn's class of 2019 i mean i don't know how many of those kids are still on the roster right i mean you pull up auburn's class of 2018 uh, recruiting list and you and you go down the list and tell me who's who's actually on the two deep uh, for Auburn in this in this upcoming year, so I mean, I mean there, there are there are some places where there's you know I mean there, there's spots on the Auburn roster where there's veteran talent that you've seen before and you know because you've gotten to see them, and there are places around the SEC West that but there's I mean everyone has if if you feel great about who you think is the second best team in the West right now, there's an argument. Well, what about this? What about that? What about, I mean you can poke holes 
in any team uh, that that seems like they've got an ironclad case. And that's that's why it's it's so interesting to me that I mean you you might you might be everyone's number two or number three uh, in in July. Uh, I, I don't know how much better you are than everyone's number six and number seven. Who's 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 gonna be who's gonna feel better? Eight and four Arkansas with a loss to Auburn, or eight and four Auburn. Having, having beaten Arkansas and thrown punches against everybody else that you play, say you're competitive in all the games. Which which fan base is going to be happier? Yeah, I mean that's that's. I mean, Arkansas, all, all, but but Auburn, it's a step in the right direction from six and six. Uh, well, but, maybe, but, you're, but you're right, Arkansas. But, but Arkansas, but that, that, Arkansas has fewer eight. Folks are not going to be happy with eight and four. I don't care. I don't care what you say going into the season. Your 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 phone lines by the end of the year, if we're eight and four. Are gonna be seventy thirty people griping and complaining. That's you know I I hadn't I hadn't thought of, because I guess I'm still I'm still bracing for like what if it's worse than that I hadn't thought like there's <laughs> gonna be I, I I hadn't really thought about like there's gonna be anger that that the team isn't better if Auburn's like eight and four and nine and three and not beating their rivals back to we're back to where, do, back to the Malzahn <laughs> back to the Malzahn do, era. Well, no, 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 no. I, look, I do think there's a line between eight and four and nine and three. I think if you, if, sure. if Auburn finishes the year nine and three. Um, and like I said, as long as there, as long as we go to Tuscaloosa and go to Athens and throw some punches, like leave them bloodied after the ball game, because um, that's that's something we haven't done in those two buildings in a while. Um, the, the the gut. I mean, looking at the schedule now, and and again, if a team melts down a win, you know what we think is a win right now that would be sure. impressive. You know, might not seem so great. Beating LSU right a year ago, you say, oh, I'm just going to go to Baton Rouge. And and win it, you know, against LSU. I think there are folks that say, "Oh, it's going to be a great season, almost no matter what else happens." Right? You beat LSU in Baton Rouge. It's like, well, not sure. so not so fast, my friend. Uh, but the uh, you know for for Auburn, like if if you go if you go eight and four on paper right now, there are seven there are seven teams capable of beating Auburn on this schedule, and it, at least to me. And if you if you go three and four against those seven. And and you finish eight and four. You you do seem to be moving in the right direction from Brian Harson's first year. But I know there's going to be no there's going to be no appetite right. for the <laughs> championing yep. a coach who had an eight and four season in his second year at nope. Auburn, uh, especially after a coach but, uh, was was but the reaction the reaction and say the reaction and say it bull would be different. And that's that's kind of what I was what I was sure. Um, I you know just historical expectations. Where where have you been recently? Eight and four, even if Arkansas's got a loss to Auburn, their their fans are going to be be way happier with that than Auburn's will. It'd be pretty disappointing, I think, if Arkansas was worse than eight and four because it does seem like Sam Pittman has things moving in the right direction, and anything worse than that would be kind of a setback. But I see what you mean. I mean, you, you can't. It's it's not all about what happened last season. There's there's more context than just that. And so you know, you say, well, Auburn went six and six. They should be happy with eight and four. You know that there there will yeah. be. I mean, there will be relief that it didn't get worse. But right. I don't know if I don't know if that's the same thing as uh, as joy uh, in the uh, in, in the direction that things are headed. But there's a lot, lot of lot of football needs to be played before we're talking about the final records. Jeremy, great stuff. Absolutely. Appreciate right. it. Uh, you know, great great uh, great questions from Jeremy. We are uh, we're, we're going to take a break. We've got uh, we got some audio from our buddy Barrett Salee, speaking of the SEC West uh, that we can run when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive. 
live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Wednesday edition of The Drive. Hour number two. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Bill Cameron on vacation. He will be uh, he'll be back next week. Tell us all about his adventures in Pensacola. Drew at the controls, doing a great job as always. We should have Justin Ferguson tomorrow. No show Friday, no show Monday. Uh, so uh, have a happy, healthy, and safe July 4th weekend. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, be, uh, be, be, be careful and, and all that good stuff. And, and hopefully, uh, you'll be able to hear the show on Tuesday. Uh, Bill will be back from vacation and we'll be back at it, uh, with a, with another week of live and local sports talk right here on ESPN 1067. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. Do you want to rerun some of Barrett Salee, uh, talking about the SEC West? He wrote, you know, I, I can't help but feel somewhat responsible. He, he wrote about, he wrote about something we were talking about right after we talked about it. You know, it's, it's happened before. You know, and again, I'm happy to be, I don't, I don't expect credit in these situations. I think it's more of like a muse kind of relationship. I think I inspire, uh, Barrett with my, uh, with my line of questioning to, uh, and I, I take it as a compliment when I pose a question to him and then he takes that question and writes an article about it. So, but he did that, you know, immediately talking about sort of the, you know, where, where the SEC West lines up after Alabama, just a, a few hours after we, uh, we had that conversation, uh, yesterday. 334-321-1390, uh, the number to dial. So we might rerun a little bit of that in the uh, next segment because I thought Barrett had some interesting stuff about contenders in the SEC West after Alabama. In the meantime, let's get to the phones. Is it Ken who's, uh, who's, yes. who's on the line? What's up, Ken? Hey, Dan. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment that one of the things as Auburn fans we need to be looking at is this offense this year. I think uh, the offense has got a chance to be much better, starting at uh, starting at quarterback. Uh, if the guy from Texas A&M starts, uh, and we we got excellent running backs. I mean, we got one of the best running backs in the country, and then the guy behind him was playing great when he got hurt, and he was out most of last year, and he's back now. And we've got a, a really highly, highly touted freshman running back coming in. So the running game is it looks like it could be better. Now, I think the, the strength of the football team is going to be the tight ends. We're, we got some really good tight ends that's going to help us in the running game. And uh, I think your point about the passing offense is a really good one, Ken. I mean, that that's the question to me of because because last year too, it's a story of two passing offenses, right? It's the team with Bo Nix, and then it's the team after Bo Nix's injury with T.J. Finley for a couple of games. And and if if Zach Calzada can provide, I don't even think it needs to necessarily replicate everything Bo Nix brought the team uh, when they were six and two uh, in, in the in the first eight games last season. If it can, prov- you know, if Zach Calzada is the starter and he provides an upgrade. Over what Auburn had uh, in in the uh, you know, through the air in the, in their last few games, and you couple that with a couple of potent threats on the ground, yeah, I mean, I think Auburn's as as positioned for offensive success as most of the teams on their schedule, and that's coupled with 
a defense with it with a couple of players that that are as good as as good at their position as as just about anybody but the best in college in college football. That's the way I'm looking at things, Dan. And also, I'll mention the tight ends. I th- I think that's one of the strongest positions on a team, and we're probably going to see a lot of double tight ends. And with double tight ends, you you got a chance of having more success running the ball. And the the guy, the tight end from Houston, who's uh, he's kind of between uh, the wide receivers and the tight ends. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict this guy is gonna have a big year for Auburn. You're talking um, about you're talking about Landon King. You're, you're talking yes, about the, I'm talking the, the about Landon King. Landon King, who who I saw we got we had an open practice shortly after Landon King got to campus. It was before a day. Uh, last year, they had the open spring practice, and and Landon had just arrived, so he's working with the third teamers. He was probably the only scholarship player in the in the in the position in the in the group that I saw him working with. And when I say he looked a foot taller and fifty pounds more muscular than everyone else around him at, at that moment, you know, and and let alone you know what he's sort of become in the uh, in, in the in the months since then. I, I think there's yeah, there's a lot of excitement about of this of the younger skill position players on this team. What Landon King could could eventually uh, blossom into, and maybe not eventually. I mean, it could be uh, it could be from the from the moment the season starts uh, this year, depending on how things shake out uh, with the uh, with the receivers and the tight ends, and, and who needs to be out there. Well, you know, it was uh, in the spring game. I kept it throwing, expecting them to throw to Landon King. Well, they didn't throw to him except the last play of the game, and he scored a touchdown. So. Uh, this guy's got a lot of potential, and he's going to be hard or difficult for linebackers to cover. And uh, I'm I'm really saying he potentially could be a big asset to this football team. Well, the the potential the potential is there with receivers and tight ends, not just the guys that we've seen before, your your Shedrick Jacksons and your John Samuel Schenkers, the the veteran guys that that figure to be in the mix, but but almost everyone else. Uh, I mean, there there was. Uh, potential on the recruiting trail, and you've seen glimpses of it. Uh, in some cases, more glimpses uh, than others. Uh, Brian was, uh, uh, you know, Br- Brian mentioned uh, in in his report. Brian Matthews, uh, you know, sort of recapped who who transferred in and who transferred out and where position groups stand. And and he's telling folks, don't forget about Brendan Frazier, you know, who was a, a, a tight end that everyone was excited about throughout 2020, late arrival to campus, sort of got lost in the shuffle. But he's another option on top of Schenker and Fromm and Deal and Landon King. I mean, you're, you're right. It does seem like there could be a room for, for a lot of different options uh, out there at that position uh, if Auburn wants to uh, to utilize it. Appreciate the phone call, Ken. Uh, great stuff. We're up against a break. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. We will be back. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Continues, 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 continues,
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in five o'clock hour on the Wednesday edition of the drive bottom of the five o'clock hour here on the Wednesday edition of the drive Dan Peck in the wow business studio Bill Cameron on vacation he'll be back next week drew at the controls doing great work as always we got the uh, Barrett Salee interview from yesterday I thought Barrett was great so we might rerun a little bit of that as we talked about something we've been talking about throughout the show sort of where things stack up in the SEC West after a prohibitive prohibitive favorite Alabama, you know, who's going to be the second best team who could challenge Alabama for uh, the SEC West uh, this season. Uh, Let's uh, tell folks uh, about uh, something, you know, I don't mention this enough, Drew. Uh, We got the new station uh, here in the Auburn Network uh, family, Tiger Country 104.5. You can uh, listen to uh, some of the best country music of the 70s, 80s, 90s, Early 2000s, they even get the late 60s in there a little bit. So if you haven't checked out Tiger Country 104.5, the newest addition uh, to the Auburn Network family, uh, check out Tiger Country 104.5. Encourage you uh, to do so. Real country, true country, Tiger Country 104.5. Uh, Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM uh, was nice enough. He joins us every Tuesday unless he's got like Little League or some other nonsense that he, uh, you know, he, he decides is, is more worth his time. Understandably so. Uh, but we uh, we talked to him yesterday about uh, the. Well, he talked a little bit about Freddie Freeman. That situation uh, only getting messier uh, with with Freddie Freeman and apparently some unhappiness with how his agents uh, handled his free agency uh, negotiations and uh, and the uh, uh, now uh, possibly Freddie Freeman having uh, fired uh, his agents and as a result of, of how uh, they handled uh, the, those negotiations uh, when he was a free agent last year. Ended up, of course, with the Dodgers. He's now a part of the Atlanta Braves. Talked about that in the Braves. Uh, Barrett's a big Braves guy. And uh, Atlanta, uh, w- one of the more interesting teams uh, so far this season. And there's the question of, especially after the way they uh, caught fire last year, you know, will, would they go to the, uh, to, the trade, uh, to the trade well again? And then we talk about the SEC West after the uh, baseball conversation. Lots of great stuff with Barrett. Here it is from yesterday's show, our talk with Barrett Salee. How you doing, Barrett? I'm doing great. How you, Dan? I'm, I'm doing all right, Barrett. You have an hour to accept this offer. All right, you you uh, <laughs> just like just like Freddie Freeman's agents, right? You've got a what in the world is is going on with so so Freddie Freddie canned his agents and is currently listed as. Uh, as uh, well, by the way, we're going to talk Braves. Uh, we're going to talk baseball before we get into any SEC football stuff. Although I do want to talk about the the, the SEC poll uh, from the the Birmingham News Ale dot com and and some other things as well. Uh, but but let's let's get to Freddie Freeman and his and his management situation first, Barrett. What what in the world is going on? I mean, I think uh, honestly, I think part of this was orchestrated. I mean, it's been no secret around here. Freddie's been upset with how this whole thing went down. Uh, really before he even signed with the Dodgers. Um, but what are you going to do? Like fire your agent before the homecoming or and make it a huge story that you're back and you're unhappy with, with how the negotiations went or are you going to get through it and then fire him after? I think this is probably response. He's angry. He wants to be here. Go like, 
Okay, it's one thing to have Friday night, right? Cry in front of your reporters for 20 minutes, go out and get the ring and, you know, have some more, shed some more tears and all the other stuff. But he was a mess all weekend. And, you know, I think it's clear that the story that Buster wrote right after spring training about how crazy the negotiations were is completely accurate. He wants to be here. Uh, he knows he can't come back right this very second. Uh, but he also knows he can't make his he couldn't make his homecoming any more difficult for the fans than than it already was and i think that was sort of the genesis of it yeah i'm i'm more convinced as a as a dodgers sympathizer i'm i'm more convinced uh than than ever before that Maybe deep down, Freddie Freeman did want to stay in Atlanta for the best deal he could get from the Braves, and the Dodgers were sort of leverage. But when the best offer was from, you know, after the after the Olsen trade, uh, when the best offer was from the Dodgers, or or at least one of the best offers was from the Dodgers, because there's also the story that maybe there was a, a bigger contract from the AL East, and he chose the Dodgers over that contract. Uh, you know, I, I think may, maybe Plan A wasn't necessarily, you know, accepting. The, the best deal possible from the Dodgers, but once once uh, you know the 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 machinations were made and uh, the you know the Braves only had an hour to accept a, a very big contract for a 32 year old first baseman, uh, you know, and and they decided maybe not to go that way. Uh, Freddie Freeman ended up in L.A. Yeah, it's exactly what happened, and you know I think it's just a gross mismanagement by his agent and Freddie. You know, obviously, you know it's Freddie's decision ultimately, but. To, to not inform Freddie of the two deals and the deadline that you were setting as an agent, that's just like malpractice. That's just terrible, especially knowing that the Braves have basically had, had a long-standing five-year offer. Like, it had been there since the end of the offseason, and nothing had really changed with it. So, um, you know, Freddie didn't listen to Chipper. Chipper told him, don't play hardball with Alex. And, you know, I think Alex Antopoulos, to his credit, recognized Hey, look, there, there's no time to negotiate after the lockout. Like, something's got to get done. And, and you know, he wasn't going to mess around. Chipper told Freddie that. Freddie didn't necessarily listen or, you know, maybe just didn't convey it to his agent the way that he should have. So, you know, all of, it, it's they, over with now. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind he's coming back to the Braves, even if it's for a, you know, victory tour like McCann did. A few sure, years. it could be a Pujols-Cardinals, you know, situation, you know, eventually for, uh, for, for Freddie Freeman. And it does seem like... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I imagine that he and his and his management folks were somewhat blindsided by the Olsen trade, right? They had to think they had they had the cards, and the Braves would have been scrambling if Freddie had signed somewhere else. And then once Matt Olsen is traded, and and the Braves have a contract in place for their new first baseman, you know they're 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 out of the running. And that you know that that obviously may you know I, maybe it put a dent into Freddie's value on the open market, even you know even even notwithstanding that he maybe wanted to stay with the Braves in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, you know, I think for the Braves to, to go ahead and move on, you know, the thing is, is it's not like they ever came off of an offer. You know, they, they added a few things here and there in terms of options and things in, in, in a contract. But it been, for the most part, the, the offer never really changed all that much. They're like, look, this is what we're going to do, you know, and just you take it, whatever you want. And then the agent kept, uh, kept trying to negotiate, and the Braves are like, look, this is what we can do. Like, we're not doing this. And he didn't believe Alex. And so, you know, g- going out and getting mad, I know Freddie was br- blindsided by it, but I think, he, I mean, he was blindsided by it, but I'm sure he understands. Like, look, this is, you, we can't screw around anymore. It's, it's, 
you know, their lockout's over. There's three weeks until the season. Got to get a first baseman in here. So, so moving moving beyond uh, the uh, the Freddie Freeman soap opera and looking at the uh, at the Braves as as they stand now, trade deadline a few weeks away, and I know there's some. Uh, some spots on the team we've discussed where whether it's you know, you know post post uh, Ozzy Albie's uh, injury the the second base uh, maybe the bullpen maybe the starting rotation maybe a corner outfield spot depending on what happens with with Acuna and and, and Harris uh, you know I'd, I'd uh, be interested to know what what you think the Braves might go looking for uh, depending on what happens in the month of July. You know, as of now, I think they'll. Uh they're kind of staying pat. I think they'll, they'll look for somebody to replace Bill Gosselin. Um, you know, they went out and got Bill Gosselin uh, last offseason, and he was sitting there waiting to be called up. But, you know, there are better utility players, utility infielders out there. You know, you, you don't necessarily want to risk Arcia, you know, maybe going through a lull. So finding somebody like that, um, you know, to, to sort of bounce around, I think, you know, back like Johan Camargo before he sucked something like that, you know, back a few years ago, because Camargo was really good in, in 19. Um, other than that, I, I think I think they'll be fine. Maybe a bullpen piece, you're right, but, um, you know, I think that Rosario is coming back, and I think if Rosario yeah. comes back and can actually see the baseball, then I feel he'll still be pretty darn good. It, it, it does give you hope, you know, the idea that he had a vision problem, and that's, right, that, that's why he started the season three for 50 or whatever it was, and, and he's, you know, he's since corrected that vision problem and hitting the ball a little bit better. Uh, in his in his rehab assignment, that does give you hope that Eddie Rosario, you know, the book might not be uh, closed on, on what Eddie Rosario can provide to yeah. the Atlanta Braves. I do wonder about second base. You know, I, I do wonder if if Atlanta would think, you know, that that's that could be the difference in a in a in a National League where, you know, it you you want to try to avoid having uh, many weaknesses at all because some of the some of the best teams aren't going to have all that many. I, I do wonder if if second base might be somewhere where the Braves could upgrade, especially if somebody has a fire sale. You know what I mean? There, there could be, uh, oh, yeah. you know, there, there could, there could be an infielder that that provides uh, more more offense than any uh, current option Atlanta has uh, available somewhere. Uh, you know, Whit, Whit Merrifield has has been mentioned before. You know, the the, the Royals' second baseman, but you know, I, I think there could be you know across baseball uh, some some pieces that that could maybe help Atlanta if they uh, you know if they want to if they want to do what they did. Uh, they're, they're probably not going to have to go as as drastically as they did into the trade market, but uh, there there could be spots where Atlanta can upgrade. There could be. I think there'd be reluctance to do it for prospects, though, uh, or at least multiple prospects. I mean, because what they gave up for the for Matt Olson, you know that. That went from a pretty loaded farm system to just okay really quickly. So I don't think they'd be willing to unload a ton. But, yeah, I mean, I think if, if Whit Merrifield's available 100%, but, um, you know, I think that there'll be, there won't be as, as aggressive this year as they were last year. Uh, pr- probably we're talking with Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, Barrett. Pro- probably, uh, uh, probably not. I, speaking of the uh, of the Matt Olson trade, you know, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the A's inquired about Michael Harris, but if they did, and Atlanta said no, it was the right move because he looks uh, special uh, to start his uh, his Major League Baseball career. I was within not to get nerdy fantasy baseball about this. I was within. I, I traded uh, Demer, uh, Demerit to somebody a couple of days yeah. before he was DFA'd, and and the Braves called up Michael Harris. And in our league, that's how you decide who gets rights to people. So I was I was days away 
from from turning Travis Demerit into Michael Harris before somebody else was able to uh, somebody somebody else was able to do it because I, I threw Demerit in in a trade. So it's painful for me to watch Michael Harris play like this, and I suspect he's going to play like this for a while. Yeah, he's not going back to the minors. He's not going back to the bench right now. Um, he's he's been awesome. So it'll be interesting to see what they do when Rosario gets back. I mean, um, you've got Ozuna. Uh, as a uh, as a pseudo DH, pretty much all the time now. Um, do you sit Duvall? I mean, because Duvall's been awful. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think they might be in a uh, in a in a in a little bit of a spot where they have too many riches out there. If Rosario comes back and Acuna stays healthy, and um, you know, and it's it's gonna be, of, it's going to be interesting to see how they orchestrate that. Can any of those guys play second base? Any of those? Any of those guys know how to do that? Because that's that, that, that would make that maybe so. I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine Duvall. I, just, I have a hard time imagining Duvall flipping the double that play. That would be weird, right? <laughs> I have a hard time seeing him. You know, turning the uh, turning turning two. Um, so let's let's move to college football a little bit because because AL dot com. Uh, it was yesterday they published their preseason SEC football poll where they talked to the SEC's athletic directors uh, and and sort of published their results. The uh, the, the first one the, the article mentions first one without Charles Hollis uh, who had been doing it for, uh, for for decades wanted to wanted to include that as well. Something that stood out to me not surprising to see Alabama and Georgia get all the first place votes and all, all the first place votes within the divisions. Four different teams in the SEC West were picked by at least one SID to finish last, which is a testament to how wide open this this division appears to be. I mean, I think there are probably six teams that think they got a real they, they got a real shot of finishing second if if things break right for them, and if and if it's a house of cards and things collapse, they they could be one one of the one of the two worst teams in the division this year. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's reasonable because you know it is Alabama and everybody else, and you look at everybody else, they can all make bowl games. You know, they all did. You know, so and I think that if that's going to be the you know the way they enter the season, then yeah, you catch a couple breaks and and things go your way, and maybe you are Ole Miss from last year going to the Sugar Bowl. So you know, I think that's it. It's not a sign of parity, I guess, because you know Alabama's you know the the consensus top team in the division, but. Um, you know, I think it, it is definitely a, a nice reflection and an and a interesting development to, to think that, wow, this SEC West season, even though Alabama is going to be the favorite and probably will win, is going to be incredibly wild. And that's something that I hope, you know, stays as a storyline because a lot of times we just focus on the playoff. Uh, you know, having an SEC West as competitive as it looks like it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, A&M got... Uh, A&M got six second place votes in the in the SEC West. I thought it was odd that uh, Alabama's SID apparently voted for apparently voted for LSU, right? Because Alabama got six first place votes in the West, and then there's another first place vote. You're not allowed to vote for yourself, so the other first place yep. vote went to LSU, which is an, an odd pick. But uh, you know, I think I think you know whatever. Uh, but do, do you think there's any do you do you think there's anything to the idea that there's some separation between A and M and the other five teams in the SEC West, or do you think there's uh, do you think it's it's pretty it's pretty bunched up uh, in a in a group that includes uh, Texas A and M uh, with Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State? No, I don't think the gap for A and M is is even a gap. I think Ole Miss is better, uh, and I think A and M will 
you know, have a hard time getting through that entire, you know, division. You know, they're a four and four conference team. That's just kind of what they've always been. So if you, you know, I think Ole Miss, the offense is going to be extremely dangerous and those other teams are ultra talented and certainly not light years behind anybody other than Alabama in the division. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm convinced right now that the A and L hype is just that it's hype. I mean, if you're talking about a Jimbo Fisher offense with basically a brand new quarterback, um, you know, whether it be, you know, transfer Max Johnson or, um, you know, Haynes King who played five quarters last year, um, that that's a hard sell, especially considering they're going to be relying on a ton of new defensive linemen up front too. So um, I just, it, it's hard to it's hard to find a way to trust Texas A&M in my mind. So if you were in the Alabama SID's position in this poll where you had to vote for a team to finish first in the SEC West and you weren't allowed to choose Alabama, you had to pick one of the other six teams, would you have picked Ole Miss? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think Ole Miss is closer to Alabama than Texas A&M is to Ole Miss. I think, I think it's a pretty significant gap uh, because I just think Ole Miss with their offensive weapons and how versatile they are. Uh, that versatility offensively um, combined with Lane Kiffin is pretty darn scary. I was I was going to ask how much of that is just unabashed love for for Lane Kiffin and and the way and the way he gets it done. That's a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, there's another, I used to overrate Houston Nuts teams all the time. So you know, I know, I know, uh, I know, uh, and Spurrier at South Carolina before he got it rolling too. So I know how you know cult of personality uh, can uh, can work in these things. Who do you think's playing quarterback? You think it's Jackson Dart at Ole Miss? I think it'll be Jack. I think he's fine if it's if it's Luke Altmaier, but yeah, I think it'll be Jackson Dart. I think they, you know, he's he's, I guess, comfortable with what they run because it is sort of what USC runs. I think Lane is way more confident that right this very second, Luke has more of the playbook at his at his disposal. But the upside for Jackson Dart is there. So yeah, I think it'll be Jackson Dart. Yeah. I- that was uh, Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM talking to us yesterday about the Braves and uh, his thoughts on the SEC West. He wrote an article about that. You can see over at CBSSports.com uh, uh, sort of expanding on his thoughts on why there's not really a gap uh, between Texas A&M and some of the other teams in the SEC West despite the uh, expectations that maybe A&M is uh, going into uh, the season as, as the number two team in the division behind Alabama. We will be back to wrap up the show. Don't go anywhere. Dan Peck here in the Wow Business Studio. You are listening to The Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the show. Dan Peck in the Wow Business Studio. Drew at the controls doing a great job, as always, on a hot Wednesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Got a little bit of rain in the last few days. We have not talked. And, you know, I. it's tougher to talk about the weather when Bill's not here. That is one that you know, I, can, I, can, I can do sports stuff all day, but it's easier. <laughs> it's easier to do the weather chat 
when uh, when, when Bill's around. So we'll do that uh, next week when he gets back. He'll tell us all about the weather in Pensacola Beach and uh, yeah, if it's uh, if it's uh, hot or cold or uh, rainy uh, here in the Auburn Opelika area. You missed any of the podcast? Check out the podcast. Uh, search for the Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform. AUNetwork.com, ESPNAU.com, podcast centers, also available on those websites. You can uh, you can do it that way. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer should join us tomorrow. We'll talk about everything going on in the world of Auburn sports. Might work some all-elite wrestling conversation in there as well. You never know. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For Drew at the controls, this is Dan Peck signing off. Good night.